Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future in Cork business. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, we're going to get the lowdown from the UCC Sprint Awards. We're going to hear from the firm that's planting trees to offset carbon, and we stay on a green theme to begin. Cork shoppers love to choose local products, and increasingly we're being offered goods made in this neck of the woods that are good for the environment. One brand you may have seen popping up in shops and indeed online is Badly Made Books, and from Badly Made Books, Sean O'Sullivan is with me now how are you doing sean very good jonathan thanks for having me on it's great to talk to you tell i love the name by the way tell me a little bit about what you guys do uh so uh we make uh notebooks from recycled paper uh we make them here in cork we have a workshop at one friar street and uh yeah there you'll find a lot of printing and uh printers, binders, and uh, generally lots of notebooks. So, uh, yeah, well, no- notebooks seem to be a thing with you, um, but there is that green element. Tell me a little bit about uh, your motivation. Uh, so, I suppose I originally started to started coming from this as an illustrator, and I was, I was drawing uh, children's books, and I wanted to make sure that they were printed in a way that was as sustainable as possible, and through those... Uh, original ideas I started making books and figured out I could make them out of recycled paper and make them here in Ireland and that's where the business started. Okay, very good. And where do you source your materials because there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. Do you get it from the same place that Andrex get it for the recycled toilet paper? <laughs> uh, so we unfortunately there's no paper mills uh, operating in Ireland anymore. So we bring in papers from around Europe so we have a couple of suppliers between the UK, Italy, and in uh, Holland as well. Okay, so t- tell us about the, why you did this, because there's lots of different companies uh, doing recycled stuff, and I'm presuming it's a it's a business that's very competitive. So how how did you how did you come up with the idea that you could do it out of Cork? Um, I, I started the business originally up in Dublin, and that's where I was living at the time, and um, but eventually moved it home to clo- closer to my family, and. Um, I suppose it's hard to say really, but I, I wanted to have a job and I wanted to work in a field that I felt wasn't doing any damage. And I think I kind of almost felt I had to create that myself. Uh, as to why I chose books, I suppose it's because it's something that I'm interested in. And I noticed that there weren't, there wasn't a alternative notebook on the market that was made in Ireland and made from recycled paper. Mm. I mean, notebooks are, are literally throwaway things. I mean, as, as somebody who worked as a journalist for years, I always had one in my pocket uh, and, and I, I stored them. I hoarded them for a long time with, with loads of different little bits and pieces, but they're plentiful. So your product has to stand out a little bit, doesn't it? Our notebooks are like, we we would back them as regards to our, our quality. There's a different texture to recycled paper and we really feel that that shines through. We make the most of that kind of texture that kind of feel to it okay so it's down to the actual quality of the paper is it yeah i would say so yeah like i feel that recycled paper has a different kind of almost like rougher more tactile surface it wouldn't be like your classic um printer paper and so it can be very good for kind of i suppose for for writing for drawing for even just for just collecting your thoughts um, yeah, well, that, that's hard in its own right. It'll take more than a notebook to do that for me. But wh- when you're putting this together, do you, how do you keep the cost down? Because the last thing you want to be is twice as expensive as, as your nearest competitor. Yeah, I suppose we compete more so with the kind of higher end of imported notebooks. So we can't exactly do it <clears throat> at the very same cost as the cheapest notebook on the market. Um, but 
all you can do really is 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 make sure you get your numbers right in business and even if your materials are more expensive and you know it requires a bit of hand making which is more expensive as well you just have to make sure that you're able to be both sustainable uh in an environmental sense but also sustainable as a business and what kind of feedback are you getting from your customers then if, if you have this out in the marketplace already i mean pe- people people care about strange things is this one of the strange things they care about john yeah people we get a lot of really good feedback uh we were up in in dublin recently at a trade show and it was nice to get a couple of pats on the back up there um you'd be surprised at how many different uses there are for notebooks we have all sorts of customers who use these books for different things that i never would have thought of and we also run a customization service for uh commercial for kind of commercial reasons um and people have again infinite interpretations of the book as a product okay right they can do it pretty much anything they want with it I'm, i'm guessing and you won an award as well tell us about that yeah, we were at the showcase or trade show in, in Dublin last month and we won the inaugural sustainability award, which was for the best product in the the sustainability category. Okay, which which is nice. So where does it go next then? Um you, you have your notebook. Is there any plans for uh, further expansion? Are you are you moving into other lines? Uh well for the moment we're gonna stick with our, our core product. There are a couple of uh ideas out there because we're in print and we have we're able to make various different paper products but we do kind of try and do one thing well at the moment uh really what we'd like to do is to continue to expand um the business we really want to like compete with the other i suppose the imported brands out there as well and we feel that like to be really sustainable you do actually have to like compete with the ones that might necessarily be so Okay, well, look, we wish you the best of luck with it. And where can people find the product if they're looking for it, actually, Sean? If people are looking for a, a badly made book. Uh, so, kind of radiating out from Patrick Street, you can find them in Dubray Books on Patrick Street. You can find them in Kilkenny, Kilkenny Design Centre. Um, and we have about 50 to oh, about 100 stockists around Ireland. <laughs> okay, so you're you're out there already. Look, it's it's brilliant. Um, I'm looking forward to having a look at it myself when I'm in Dubray's, maybe passing the next time. But for now, Sean O'Sullivan, founder of the brilliantly titled Badly Made Books. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. It's a landmark year for Gateway UCC with the team marking its 10th anniversary. Gateway UCC supports researcher-led startups and spin-out companies from their base in the university. And to coincide with this year's Sprint Awards and their milestone birthday, they've released some pretty impressive figures. Companies that Gateway's worked with and has supported since 2012 has created more than 450 jobs. Miriam Cronin is the head of Gateway UCC who's with me now. Hello, Miriam. Hi, Jonathan. Lovely to talk to you. That's a nice handy figure, isn't it? 450 jobs that have been created by businesses that were spawned in the university community. Yes, Jonathan, and those are just the companies that have worked with us here in the Gateway. Um, There are other spin-outs of the university also out there creating jobs and creating um, societal impact, shall we say, that haven't actually um, been part of Gateway as such, but they are part of the overall contribution of the university to the entrepreneurial environment and ecosystem in Cork. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. There's been 70 companies that have gone through and it's all based on, on products that have what they refer to as IP, intellectual property. So in other words, it's the bright idea that you guys support. 
It absolutely is. And all of these bright ideas, as you call them, Jonathan, have come from the university's research centres, from Tyndall National Institute, from the APC Microbiome Ireland, from Infant, from Insight, from IPIC, all of these research centres that are funded by SFI and are generating really breakthrough technologies on a daily basis. Um, And we pick these technologies up with the researchers and we train them how to to be entrepreneurs and we bring them through our sprint program and this allows them to look at their technology through the entrepreneurial lens and um, start businesses and we support them on every step of the journey in that. Yeah because there's lots of things that these companies have gone on to do. A lot of them have gone on to become bigger and better being supported by Enterprise Ireland and I know at the sprint awards the other day to which I was uh, delighted to be invited you had Leo Clancy of Enterprise Ireland there so the, the the plan here always is to take a researcher and to turn them into business people who will be able to scale up and, and do bigger and better things while giving back to the university. Absolutely. And creating jobs for our students and creating wealth for our uh, local economy. And the important thing is to get these bright ideas, as you say, out of the college, into clinician hands and into the marketplace where they can really create an impact and societal change. So that's that's the, the, the circle of life, I suppose, of the idea generation and then the creation of really strong companies that quite often are acquired by multinationals, by the way, and create a lot of um, uh, wealth back into the university. So, you know, and with that um, investment, we can then go on and grow the next crop of budding um, researchers using IP from the university that will create the next generation of startups mm. in so, the region. So it's a, it's a self-fulfilling cycle. It just keeps giving back and giving back. And, and you celebrated the best and the brightest with the Sprint Awards. We absolutely did and um, the Sprint Awards uh, are now six years old um, and during that time we've put 80 researchers through the programme and yesterday we um, celebrated the um, 2001-2002 cohort and um, we had really a very tough time to decide who were the winners because really everybody was in contention. There were really, really breakthrough technologies being developed. Mm. And in and, and lots of different fields as well, of course. And, and these companies you're expecting now to, to grow, to follow on and, and, and enter that world of job creation and scaling. Absolutely. We had 16 researcher-led ventures um, working with us yes, on, on this year's programme. And if you think about it, each of those are predicated on years and years of research from the university. And they all have the potential to be high-potential startups. Um, and the definition of a high-potential startup is that it can employ up at, uh, in, a, in excess of, a hun- of 10 um, employees and turn over more than a million. And every one of our uh, participants has, has the uh, potential to be in that category. So if you think about it, our 15 researchers have the potential to uh, create 150 jobs um, here in, in the Cork region mm. uh, using technology from the university. Okay. Um, so it's a very exciting time for all of us, really. It is, and it just shows you again how the university is more than just a place of learning anymore, isn't it? Like we, we've moved on past that to a certain degree, Miriam. That we 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 have to we have to fund the next generation of researchers and students coming through, and this is just one of the ways that it can be done. 
Yes, and obviously, the, you know, our core activity is always teaching and learning. But research is very um, much goes hand in hand with that. And we developed the research in the university and then we pass that on by way of learning to our students, our PhD students and our undergrads. So, it, again, it, we, it, it's a circular economy here. Um, and the research is hugely important to the whole ecosystem in the university. OK, well, we, we congratulate everybody who took part in the Sprint Accelerator Awards the other day and we wish everybody in Gateway UCC the best of luck. If people are looking to find out a little bit more about it, just uh, go to the UCC website and search for Gateway and it will uh, give you all the details of Miriam Cronin and the team there. Miriam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Talk to you as always, Jonathan. Thank you. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork Business. Now, we have a strong theme of sustainability on this week's Red Business. Our next guest has announced a partnership that aims to offset its CO2 emissions. Refurbed is an online marketplace where you can buy refurbished devices with a minimum 12-month warranty. They operate in eight countries. And Podrick Power is their marketing manager here in Ireland. Podrick, how are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm well, thanks. How are you keeping? Very well. Good to talk to you. First of all, tell us a little bit about Refurbed. What do you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially, refurbed, as you said, we sell uh, sustainable products. So we refurbish electronics from smartphones such as iPhones and your Galaxy, everything else, to laptops, uh, to tablets, audio, everything you can think in kind of the tech sphere. We refurbish those devices. They go through a 40-step process to make sure that they're working just exactly like brand new. And then from that, they're sold via our website. And the great thing is that they're up to 40% cheaper automatically they save 70% carbon production compared to a new product. And then we actually offset the other 30% by planting trees for free for the customers for refurbed. Okay, now the thing about phones is, uh, for me anyway, they, they tend to last until the battery goes and then I lose interest and get a new model. Other people have a fierce tendency to smash their phones, which makes them rather useless <laughs> as phones. I, I presume you have to deal with all of the all of the great problems that people have with technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I suppose the, the good thing or the great thing about Refurbed is that the devices, once we get them, all of that is fixed before it goes to the customer. So if there is any battery issue, if there's obviously anything like a smashed screen or whatever, that's all refurbished. And the product then is as good as new when it's being sent out to the customer. And the other great thing then, I know you mentioned the 12 month warranty, but aside from that, there's also a 30 day free trial for every product. So a customer can get the phone or the laptop or whatever they want test that out make sure it's for them and if there's any issues or if they just decide to rather a different model or they just don't want it they can send it back for free anytime in the 30 days mm. as well the problem park is that this goes against what the manufacturers want to do which is to consistently want you to buy a new phone we know most of them they bring out new models every 12 months sometimes even less and then what they do is they make the old models less attractive to use by not pushing out software so are you in a constant battle with manufacturers who want to sell us new ones yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, that's definitely something that it depends on the consumer. Like I know myself, I definitely like to have a phone with a really good camera or, if, you know, with good um, up to date aspects like that. So I would be somebody who generally speaking would get a phone that's relatively new um, or with the time, should I say. But with that, I will make sure that it's a refurbished one. And then the great thing as well is that for those other phones um, that you know they don't do as relative uh, relative updates and software updates there's actually a lot of people who prefer that like we have a lot of customers who really like the iPhone 8 or some old Samsung Galaxy phones because a lot of people just want their phone to you know 
do the normal for them and do mm. what works for them. Have you done, so have, have, have we, you done Nokia 3310? Because that's the Sorry. one that most people kind of pine after. The Nokia 3310. Surely you have a few of them out the back, do you? I actually don't know. I'll have to check the site for that. But, um, we'll, we'll have a look and see. Uh, the whole point of this conversation, though, is that you have um, done something to coincide with National Tree Week. Um, phones, because we just use them all the time, we forget that, you know, they they have a lot of things in them that have to be mined. They're not as good for the environment as we'd like them to be. And you guys are already uh, preventing uh, new phones from being bought by refurbishing old ones. But you're doing something else, uh, which you, you hinted at earlier. Tell us a little bit about the partnership that you've set up with Reforest Nation. Absolutely, yeah. So this is something I'm very proud of with uh, with Reforest Nation. So actually with Reford, we've always planted trees for every device sold, but the only option we offered previously was planting in other countries um, because it can be quite difficult to find partners in Ireland. But we're now after finding our great partner, Reforest Nation, and basically every Irish customer from Refurbed will now have the option to make sure that the tree planted in their name is a native tree to Ireland. And it'll be planted by Reforest Nation and they plant all over the country. Um, And the really great aspect, I suppose, with that as well, is that all of the trees planted are going to be native to Ireland so we're going to make sure that we're reforesting Ireland with trees that are really really good for the Irish environment and good for obviously sustainability but different ecosystems plant life animals and we'll be making sure that we uh we kind of regreen Ireland as much as we can because okay. it's a very under uh, greened country with regards to trees which is ironic considering we are forever known as yeah. a green country uh, we, we just got rid of all the trees that would have been native so Parik if people are looking to find out what kind of phones you have on Refurbed and to get more information on the initiative what's the website? So the website is refurbed.ie so it's refurb and then ed so just make sure to add in the ed uh ie and then with regards to that as well we do have a free uh customer service line as well so if anybody does i know some people prefer to speak to people they can give a phone call chat to any member of the team as well that they want to or send us an email and we'll always be there to help with whatever anyone needs okay refurb.ie is the website address porik power marketing manager for refurb in ireland thanks so much for joining us porik Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And that's it for this episode of Red Business. Kira McDonough was the producer. Don't forget, they're all up on redfm.ie and stay tuned because in just a moment, we'll give you a little sneak preview of the latest Red Business in Focus that's up there to view as well, our video series with thanks to the Cork Local Enterprise offices. We'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. Red Business with IBEC, building a sustainable, competitive future for Cork business. You're very welcome back to Red Business in Focus with Cork's local enterprise offices where we're sharing Cork's success stories. And this week we have a great one for you. Justin Green of Ballyvalan House and Ballyvalan House Spirits Company in the spotlight. We're going to be talking to him about the successful house itself. They do boutique weddings, they've got glamping experiences, but more importantly, they have branched into drink. And we'll get to that as well. Justin, it is lovely to meet you again. How are you? Very well, and thanks for having me on. Um, We start this series with everybody having 30 seconds to talk about the company, to tell us the essence of what you do. So your 30 seconds starts now. 
Great. I own, uh, along with my wife, Ballyvalan House, which is a historic house, B&B, built in 1728. And um, we operate uh, accommodation. We uh, have uh, host small weddings as well. We have glamping in the summer months. And we also um, operate a gin distillery where we make a gin called Bertha's Revenge Gin. And, um, and we also have Glorious Gardens, which is a big part of the whole Ballyvalan experience. Again, somebody who didn't need 30 seconds. We've, we're getting really yeah. good at this, by the way. You've, you've, you've captured the whole situation. It started out as a farm, though. I mean, are you, are right. you, would you describe yourself predominantly as a farmer who's well, branched into it, business? It, exactly. Well, I grew up on a farm, and um, I wouldn't describe myself as a very good farmer, but I've, I've done a lot of farming, mainly digging holes and, and fixing broken tractors. But yeah, my father was a dairy farmer for the vast majority of his life. And then in the 1980s, um, my parents decided to open the house as a, as a B&B, historic house B&B. And that's when they entered the tourism game and hospitality. And they were natural hosts and very good at it. And I actually ended up going to Shannon Hotel School and I've worked all around the world in, in luxury sort of five-star hotels. And, and then came back in 2004, just after my mum passed away and took over the reins from, from my parents. Uh, uh, to describe it as, as just a house is, is completely wrong, because uh, it is a spectacular property, isn't it? Well, we love it. We have a very deep emotional uh, attachment to the place, and, and what we offer is a very authentic travel experience. I think uh, you know, it's, it's got beautiful antiques and, and family portraits, and, and, and the ambiance is, is um, you know, old school. And I think when people come and stay with us, they feel a real connection with, with um, Cork, with um, it's just a sense of history and um, you know it gives them a sense of place and you know it's very stylish we take you know a lot of trouble to to keep the house in good nick and, and um, you know being a house that's nearly 300 years old requires a huge colossal effort and, and upkeep and um, but we want to ensure our guests have all the creature comforts like comfy beds, good Wi-Fi, as well as preserving that sort of sense of mystery that people love. And, and you, you did the weddings, obviously, which is a huge part of the business, yep. or well, was, until a certain thing, which we'll yep. talk about in a minute, but glamping. Uh, yep. was, was, did you consider glamping a risk? Because I, I consider if I had to go on glamping, it would be massively risky because I like my comfort. Yeah, sure. No, but they're very comfy and it is camping. It's not for everyone. There's no, you know, you're not going to... Um, is there a toilet indoors? Not indoors. Well, but there is. No, there is, no, it is indoors. You don't have to go in the hedge. But um, <laughs> you can... Um, we have a beautiful... What a um, sales pitch. I think you should yeah, put that have, on the side. <laughs> uh, we have a beautiful wash house with showers, um, just a short walk from, from the glamping area. And, um, you know, people have dinner in the main house. And, and um, we have a combination of bell tents and... Uh, arcs, pig arcs, which are like a traditional pig arc, but slightly bigger, for, yeah. for which can accommodate humans. Yeah, I'm going to stay in the house if it's okay. Yeah. I, I, li- I like the theory. Yeah. Um, the problem with hospitality yeah. is COVID happened. And that Absolutely. meant that all your weddings and all those mm. brides and grooms who you have been working with uh, to, to have their wonderful day, none of it could happen. I oh, mean, how difficult were the last two years? Really difficult, uh, particularly for the couples and their families. You know, we have some couples who are getting married this summer. Um, this is their fourth attempt, you know, and it's been deeply frustrating for, and upsetting for them and, and so many levels. And, um, and most of them have had children, funny enough. So they've, <laughs> they've all cracked on um, and started a family, which is brilliant. So yeah. they're coming to get married with their, with their toddlers. That's and, a great uh, story. That's yeah, a so good, we're really looking yeah. forward to, to, to getting back up and running again. And Now, you did diversify. You seem to be good at diversifying. Yeah. Um, and the gin is a prime example. When, mm. when did gin become an idea for you? Well, I've been watching the rise and rise of premium gin in the UK over the last 15 years and um, always looking for opportunities to try and fend off starvation, particularly in the winter months because our business is very busy in the summer. And then unfortunately in in rural 
Cork, um, in our part of Cork anyway, um, the tourist season is quite short. And, you know, so we have to, and it's never, re we never really quite generate enough to, to you know, keep, keep the show on the road year round. So we're always looking for ideas and opportunities. And gin, gin was something we went and explored. And here we are. We'll talk about the different varieties of gin in just a minute. But mm. explain Bertha's Revenge, because it's a brilliant story behind the name. Yeah, well, it's got a huge USP in that we're using um, whey alcohol as our base spirit, where most gins you would sit down and, and sip would be uh, made out of grain spirit, mostly wheat, sometimes barley. And we are using a whey alcohol, which is derived from cow's milk, and, and the milk is supplied by local dairy farmers that um, is separated into curds and whey, and the curds goes off to make cheese, and then the whey is fermented with a special strain of yeast, and then um, distilled numerous times, and then we redistill it with all our botanicals um, to give it the flavour. And um, one of the, the characteristics of whey is quite rich and luscious in texture, and we use a lot of spice in our gin because it carries all those heady spices incredibly well. Yeah, but tell us about Bertha. Bertha is the most and Bertha important part is, of the story. Bertha is a very big part of our story. She was the world's oldest cow, and she was a Drimmon, which is a native Irish species uh, of cow, and she lived in County Kerry and died in 1993 at the remarkable age of 48 years old, and she earned an entry into the Guinness Book of World Records. And her revenge is the gin? It's, no, it's not supposed to be negative. I think um, <laughs> she's coming back in her own terms, and um, you know she had 39 calves, so you know, I think if you'd had given birth 39 well, you'd times, you'd be revenge. an angry yeah, cow. Absolutely. So, um, so you've got different uh, varieties of gin. Yeah. I mean, when I was younger, there was one type of gin. Yeah, cork right? gin. Cork yeah. gin. That yeah. was it. Like that's if, you, right. if you're having a G and T, that's what they that gave. That was you. it. No, likewise. Yeah. Um, uh, so, w w why have different types of it, uh, and what are the different? Yeah. Well, types? the the, the um, our flagship gin is you know your, your regular sort of forty two percent ABV, and then after that we developed a slow gin, which is traditionally drunk in the winter time. It's wild slows and cultivated slows, which which ripen usually in, in the autumn, and they are infused with our gin for about six months in big two hundred liter barrels, and we roll them up and down the floor of the distillery once a week just to get good gin, <laughs> gin fruit contact. I can't get that helps with the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the muscles. Keeps the you fit. Yeah. And, then, um, and then we decant the berries after about six, seven months, and then we add sugar at the end to, to taste. And um, so that's our second one. Our third one is the Navy Strength which um, the whole term came about uh, during the Napoleonic era when um, the Royal Navy used to keep all their hooch on, on, in casks on, on the decks of the ships. And if the, there was a raging storm and, and it spilled over or the, or the French were having a crack at them um, and it wet the gunpowder with the alcohol, if it was below 57.1%, it would not ignite. So the quartermasters in the Royal Navy used to insist on a high-strength hooch. And the higher the ABV, the more flavour it carries. So it's something that cocktail mixologists would often reach for if they're mixing gin-based cocktails because the gin would really express itself really well. Brilliant. And then the last one is the crab apple gin, which is one we just launched a couple of weeks ago. And that um, is made in the same way as slow gin. We infuse crab apples in our gin and we source the crab apples from a friend of mine called David Keane in Capaquin. And they make a very fine apple juice called Crinaton. And then um, we add a jaggery sugar at the end, which is a raw unrefined um, Indian jaggery sugar. It's very perfumed and then we infuse that with a little bit of cl uh, clove. I'm loving the, use the crab apples, which I would just assume are the yeah. most useless thing uh, uh, ever. Uh, uh, you've, you've found a use for them. Well, exactly. Well, uh, David actually grows them. He's an apple grower by, by profession and he uses them as pollinators because they have a very long flowering time. So they're really good to get the bees uh, working to, to okay. pollinate the, um, the flowers. You've had a lot of support over the years. Um, yeah. what, what, what was the biggest bit of support? That well, I have to say the LEO would be absolutely fantastic. Our local enterprise office in Hello, um, Kevin Curran, uh, Curran and Joan Kelleher have been immensely supportive in terms of you know, grants to help with buying equipment. Um, we had mentoring you know, during the COVID period as well. You know, we had help with um, 
getting out, outdoor furniture for, for outside dining from the house. And we've also moved our business online. So we set up an online shop for the gin as well as in the house. And, and that really helped sort of get through what was a very difficult time. Yeah, it, it's a fantastic story. Uh, I mm. just love the, the diversity that you now have in the business. Yeah. You know, that it could have just been a house that did hotels, but now yep. you're a house that does glamping, you're a house that does gin, you keep yourself fit by rolling those barrels. <laughs> There's so much yeah. you can do. If people want to find out about the alcohol, I think it's Balavalan spirits.ie correct and if it's the house it's balavalanhouse.ie correct uh, yeah. Justin it's been lovely talking to you and wish you well, and thank you. all the family the best of luck thank you very much and that is it from this episode do join us next week when we'll be joined by Loretta Kennedy of Mama Bear Foods she's going to share her story of how she began her business at her kitchen table in 2017 when she couldn't find healthy tomato sauce for her children. Now she's got listings from Avoca to Aldi, health food stores and selected super values as well. And it all started at the kitchen table. Can't wait to hear that story. We'll see you next week on Red Business in Focus with Cork's Local Enterprise Analysis.